0: hallelujah god is good amen. amen how you guys feeling you feeling good man god is whoo god is something else wow I just i came in during the worship and i saw the sanctuary and i was like what, what, what what's happened <laughs> like all the hearts and everything uh, let's give it up for the sisters who put put that time in there let's uh let's all just give them a round of applause it looks beautiful yeah. And so like I was I saw like the hearts and stuff. And during worship, I felt like God was like. Like he's just going to release his love into this place. I was like, wow, God, that's real clever. But it was really good. But actually, something I do want to share before I get into the word was that um it was funny to come in. And I saw John Michael downstairs and he was trying to get into the office and I was like what happened? He's like, I need to get a spare guitar. I was like, what do you need to get a spare guitar for? He's like, uh, the string popped when Brian was leading worship, which is so funny because at Hillside, the same thing happened during worship. And so like, uh, pastor John was leading and the string broke. And then like, we had like three or four different guitars that all, for some reason wouldn't work. And they kept like bringing them and bringing them and bringing them And, uh, he, every time he's like, no. And he just ended up leading with the broken, the broken strings on the guitar. And I felt like that. It's a word from the Lord. Like it was a prophetic sign. Sometimes the Lord does things and we think they're just coincidence or we think, oh, well, that just happened, whatever. But you know, God can speak to us in our circumstances. If he orchestrates our lives and every day of our life is written in his book of life, then it, it shouldn't be too much for us to believe that he orchestrates our circumstances. And so what I saw it as was that God was going to release breakthrough in this place. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You know, at, at Hillside, I preached and, and during the altar call, we saw people just getting set free, people getting healed and, and just delivered. And it was such an amazing time. And a brother, Andy, he came to me and he spoke out that very word that the Lord was bringing breakthrough. Uh, one of the names of the Lord is Jehovah Perazim, which in the Hebrew means the Lord of the breakthrough. And so I really believe that today God's going to bring a breakthrough. If you want a breakthrough, say, I want a breakthrough. breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 8. And we're just going to read verse 32. Everyone knows this. It's a very famous one. When you get there, say amen. 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 We got five people there. Hallelujah. (laughs) Everyone there? Amen. Amen. If you don't have your Bible, you can look to the screen. All right, let's read it all together. One, two, three. She juck. and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us real quick. Let's all bow our heads. Oh, father, we thank you that you are the Lord of the breakthrough. We thank you, father, that there are many people in this house today that have been in need of a breakthrough. And there are many people in this house today, father, that have been, Lord, just in need of a touch of your presence, a need of a touch of your truth. And Lord, I pray that God, that as I preach this word, Lord, that it would go out, it would be spirit and life, Lord, it would go out and it would break off Lord, all the works of the devil. I pray father that you would go before us, Lord, and you would open up every heart by your spirit. I just pray that right now, every heart in this room being made wide open by the Holy spirit. I just break off all distraction. I break off all fatigue And Father, I just break off, Lord, any attack of the enemy right now. And Lord, I just speak your peace, I speak your shalom, and I speak life into this place. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So today, church, I want to talk to you about truth and lies. That's the title of the message, truth and lies. Everyone say truth and lies you know we're all in this we're in this year of intimacy as you can tell we've got the the hearts everywhere we we're we're going full like steam ahead into this year of intimacy apparently and um and this monday is what valentine's day right and so we're all about intimacy this year it's the year of intimacy god has really spoken that to our church and he's spoken it to the, actually the worldwide church if you see that at so many different churches i have friends all over the world and they're all talking about this is the year where god's going to take us into deeper levels of intimacy. I'm like, are you listening to our podcast? They're <laughs> like, what's a podcast? I'm like, oh, okay. All right, you know? And uh, because God is really going to bring us into deeper levels of intimacy, right? But one thing that you need, and one thing you need to have if you're going to go into deeper levels of intimacy is the ability to differentiate between truth and lies. Because you need to know the difference between truth and lies. Because lies, they break up intimacy. You cannot build intimacy on lies. You ever been in a relationship that was built on lies? When those lies come to the surface, there's no more intimacy. When those lies come to the surface, there's no more relationship. There's nothing. Because you can't build a relationship on lies. You can't build intimacy on lies. Intimacy can only be built on truth. And I believe that in this place today that God is wanting to bring to you a deeper level of checking out and looking inside yourself to see where there is truth and where there are lies. You know, it says in his word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And me talking about truth and lies, I'm not talking about whether or not you can tell if someone in the church is lying to you, you know. I don't want this to be like, you know, you, you come from this message and then during the like dinner time, you're like looking at each other like, is what you told me true? Like, sisters, is what you wrote on that back thing? Is that true or is that a lie? You know, I'm just kidding, sisters. I'm sorry. Like, don't look at me like that. But it's about what has been spoken over you and what you even speak over yourself. Because so many times we speak things over ourselves and we have things that are over us that we believe we come into agreement with that isn't true it's a lie and we live our lives according to those lies jesus said in his word john 8 32 that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free and that is because truth is always associated with freedom everyone say truth shall set you free, set you, free. you know one thing that eunice shared about she talked about truth right and how it always sustains something like that i don't know i don't remember exactly say it again truth alone triumphs, truth alone triumphs. hallelujah and that, and that is a true statement you know truth it sets free truth is associated with freedom truth stays it is long lasting truth doesn't change right and at a place where you have truth you also have peace Right when you know something is true you have peace about it you don't you don't wonder about whether or not it's still true or not you know but you have peace about it and it always stays solid in you but if it's a lie lies are associated with something different they're not associated with freedom they're not associated with stability or peace at all they're associated with pain discomfort they're associated with fear disunity discord and, you know, so many people in the body of Christ today, as I talk about truth, so many of us are afraid of the truth. You, you ever seen that? What is that movie? It's like Jack Nicholson. He's like, you can't handle the truth. And a few good men. Right. Is that Tom Cruise, too? Right. Something like that. OK. All right. Yeah. So I don't know why I'm just like going off on tangents. But uh, he talks about how, you know, you can't handle the truth. And so many of us have this kind of mindset that the truth hurts. You know, like we talk about I talk about the truth and lies. And everyone feels, you don't feel so good like truth. I don't I don't want to hear Marcus get up here and start telling me truth in this place. Because the truth hurts. But you know, the truth only hurts if you've been living a lie. The truth only hurts if it is confronting lies that you have been believing in your life. The truth only hurts if your life has been one in deception and lies. If you're not, if you're living in truth, then the truth doesn't hurt. The truth is affirming. The truth is sustaining. The truth builds you up. And so even as I speak this, I want you to know that this message is intended not to cut you down, but to build you up. It's intended to break off lies that you may have been believing and coming in agreement with and to be solidified in truth. You know, the truth always existed to set free. The definition of truth in the Bible, um, not in the Bible, but in the dictionary, the definition of truth in the dictionary, which is not the Bible, is uh, the state of being the case. Or the property of being in accord with fact or reality. I'll read that one more time. The definition of truth is the state of being the case or the property of being in accord with fact or reality. You know, when we talk about something being true, we talk about something that is right. It's a fact. It's real. It's reality. It doesn't change. You know, we can talk about something being true that it stands the test of time. But, you know, in the body of Christ today, what we found is that so many of us have a postmodern mindset. Where postmodernism says that truth is not objective. I have my truth. You have your truth. You know, Marcus, it's good that you're preaching about, you know, truth and everything. But that's good for you. That's good for you. That's true for you. But that's not true for me. That's, that's that's your truth. I have my own truth. You know, and that's what that's what postmodernism says. That's something that seeped into the body of Christ. Even when people read the Bible and they say, oh, well, you know, that was a good word back then. And that's true then. But uh, now that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't really apply. You know, Jesus, you know, he didn't have like all the struggles and stuff we have. Why would he even say something like that? It's true then, but it's not true now. But that's a lie. For something to be truth, it has to exist and it has to be a fact that doesn't change. It has to be unchanging. It has to stand the test of time. On the opposite end, the definition of a lie is an assertion of something known or believed to be untrue with intent to deceive. Or an untrue or inaccurate statement That may or may not be believed true. A lie is an assertion of something known or believed to be untrue with intent to deceive. You know, it's something that is asserted to us and its whole point is to bring about deception. You know, Satan, it says in the Bible that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, but it also calls Satan the father of lies. And every time when the enemy comes at us, his his entire weapon of warfare is lies. I used to think that Satan's weapon of warfare was fear. I used to think that Satan would always just try and come and attack us with fear, and that his whole point was to get us to be afraid. Because when we're afraid, we strive. When we're afraid of not having something, or we're afraid of something, what? Or we're afraid that God won't meet our needs. We always try and strive to meet that need. You know, but Satan actually doesn't begin with fear. Fear isn't the starting point. Fear. Is the next point after a lie. Because Satan's whole thing is he wants you to believe a lie. And then once he gets you to believe a lie. Then fear comes along naturally. So my question to you is what lies have you been believing? What lies about yourself? What lies about God? What lies about your relationships with other people? Have you been believing? You know everything. In our Christian walk. Everything in life begins with a word. We see that in Genesis, right? We see that God created everything via a word. And he just spoke out. He spoke out the heavens and the earth. He spoke out even man's existence via a word. Amen. No one believes that. Genesis 1, I mean, um, we got to go back and read our Bibles. God created everything by a word. Amen. Like he spoke the heavens and earth into existence. He spoke the trees, man, woman, everything he did by a word but after he created adam things changed a bit and god didn't do things simply by a word but he also did things by agreement so when a word would go out there had to be agreement for it to come into place you know some of some of us in the body of christ we think that god just does things just sovereignly like he'll just sovereignly do something or he'll just sovereignly allow something to happen but that's not always that's not really the case for anything to take place in the spiritual realm and here on the natural realm, it always takes agreement. He always invites us into that place of agreement. You find that even with Adam, when, when God made Adam, right? And he takes Adam in the garden and he brings all these animals to Adam. He's like, Adam, you know, check this out, name this. And he's like, you know, you are tiger, you are fish, you are platypus, you know? <laughs> and he's like looking at it and, and then God comes into agreement with what Adam has spoken and then it's established. It's the same thing elsewhere you see in the Bible where it says where two or three or more, two or more of you are gathered in my name, Jesus says, and you agree on anything, it will be done for you by my father in heaven. Agreement is necessary to see anything happen. You know, and that works with God, but it also works with the enemy. So many times the enemy comes with lies and he comes with different things, certain attacks that come to us and we come into immediate agreement with it. So many of us in the body of Christ are more used to agreeing with the devil than we are with God. You know, we're more used to agreeing with the attacks and the lies that Satan brings into our lives than when God brings something. You ever notice like God does a miracle and it's really hard for us to agree with that. Or God speaks something into our lives and it's very hard for us to agree. But when Satan comes, we come in immediate agreement. You're stupid. I am stupid. (laughs) You're ugly. I am ugly. You know, see, when when I'm talking about deception, the, the nature of deception is that you take a lie and you live from the lie as if it were true. And what happens is Satan comes into our lives with a lie. And we come into agreement with the lie and then the lie manifests into our lives. And then we're not surprised because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We speak it out. We come into agreement with that word and there it is. You know, an example of this is, is with illness. An example of this is with illness. You know, a word going out, when I speak of a word going out, it doesn't necessarily always mean that it's like a spoken word, like, you know, like chest pain or anything like that. But when the enemy asserts something at our bodies where like we have a stomach pain or we feel we feel our throat getting itchy. What is our normal? What is the normal thing we do in that situation? Oh, I feel like I'm getting sick again. Oh, I feel like I'm, I'm once again getting a headache. Oh, oh, I'm struggling. Oh, I'm having a tough time. Oh, I'm having such a bad day. We come into immediate agreement with what the enemy is doing in our lives. And then when it happens, and it happens again and again and again, our mindset is, oh, well, there we go again. It's like that Eeyore mentality. It's like the Eeyore spirit. (laughs) There we go again. It's like Snuffleupagus, like, you know, hey, bird, there we go again. Because we come into immediate agreement with what Satan does in our lives. You know, David, we read the Psalms and we talk about how David keeps it real. And David does keep it real. You know, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. You know, and he speaks to what's going on inside of him, but he doesn't take ownership of it. He says, no, put your hope in God. You know, so many of us, when Satan comes with a lie, we take immediate ownership of it. That's what agreement is. It's ownership. And if you take ownership of a lie that Satan brings into your life, it will manifest. In the same way, when God speaks a truthful word over your life, or over your family, or over your body, or over your experience, when God speaks the truth in his word and you come into agreement with it, it will manifest. Because God does things through agreement. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, whatever we allow, heaven allows. And whatever we disallow, heaven disallows. You know, when I was when I was going to uh, General Santos on this missions trip, I've been on five missions trips so far with New Philly. And on the first four missions trips, every time we go out to the field, I get this excruciating shoulder pain like John Michael can attest to it, like when we were in Myanmar. And I had people like massaging me, like Brady, like his brother at our church, he was like sticking like his elbow into my shoulder. Like, cause everyone's like, you have the, you have this knot in the weirdest place that you could possibly have a knot in your shoulder. It was like under the bone and like, I don't know even how, how they felt the knot, but like there was a knot there and it was excruciating pain. Every missions trip, as soon as I get on the field, I'm having this excruciating pain on my shoulder. And I'm, and I'm distracted the entire time. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? I, like, you know, I got to stop working out so much. You know, like, I, you know that's just, tr- okay, that's, that's maybe not a true statement. All right, but anyways, yeah, you know, like I'm having all this pain and I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. Like, and everyone's kind of like, you know, I, I think it's demonic. I think it's an attack of the enemy. I'm like, I know, but yeah, and it just keeps happening. And it happened every missions trip so much so that when it would happen and I would feel that pain. My initial thought is, oh, here we go again. And as soon as I think, here we go again, it gets worse. And and there we have it. I have the shoulder pain all over again. Another trip. I came into immediate agreement with it. But then this last trip during the missions training, I was sitting down with, uh, with I believe, with Diana and with a, another brother and then a, a sister, Krisha, who goes to our church. She's over at Hillside. And we're sitting there. And we're talking, and we're talking about... Um, we're talking about missions. And I, Diana turns to me, and she asks me, you know, well, how's your shoulder doing? Are you going to have another issue with your shoulder on missions? And I'm, I'm like, and someone else at the table is like, what is that? Like, that sounds weird. Like, why do you have shoulder pain every missions trip? It's not, And I don't, I'm not even, like, lifting stuff. I mean, I am, you know, because I like be one of, like, the strong men on the team. But I'm not, like, lifting <laughs> stuff. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, like, explaining that every missions trip, every anointed environment, I get this incredible shoulder pain and it hurts and it's so distracting and i can feel krisha krisha's very gifted and prophetic and i can feel her staring at me you know like black people have this gift where we can feel eyes i'm like and i'm dead serious like we walk into a place like like i used to walk in the old navy and as soon as i walk in the old navy i can feel eyes like i'm like they're watching me why are you watching me that's why michael jackson came out with that song and uh oh you don't know that song Wow, that's like before y'all guys' time or something? I always feel. Like... Okay, anyways. Uh, but yeah. And so I can feel, I can feel her eyes on me. And I'm like, I know she's like saying tongues under her breath, trying to figure out what is going on with my shoulder. And so I turn to her and I'm like, yo, stop whatever prophetic thing you're doing right now to figure out what's going on. She's like, how'd you know? I'm like, I can, I can feel eyes. I'm black. And then, uh, and then later she pulls me aside and she's like, Hey, I just want to pray for you for a second. Just pray for your shoulder, because I don't feel like that's right. I'm like, okay. So she just, we just sit down, and she's very calm, and she's just like, you know, Father, we just come against this witchcraft attack in Jesus' name, and we pray that He'd never have shoulder pain again on any mission trip, in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm like, Amen. <laughs> Thanks. You know, like you get that prayer, you're like, thank you, I receive it. Bless you. You know, and that's, that's that's really how it was. I was like, because, you know, it wasn't like a big, powerful encounter. I didn't feel glory. I didn't like, it wasn't like a bomb went off. You know, it was just like, amen, amen. You know, and then that was it. And then I go to General Santos. And then the first day, the first day on the trip, I feel completely fine. And then the second day on the trip, I remember I'm sitting there. And I think maybe we were at the airport and we're waiting to fly out. And all of a sudden, I feel this pain start to come on my shoulder. And my first thought was once again, "Ah, oh, here we go again. But then as soon as I was about to say, I felt a check in my spirit. And God was like, hold on. You've gotten like prayer for your shoulder so much. You know, you've gotten, you gotten prayer for your sho- shoulder like every mission strip. The prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. He's like, this is a lie. You know, you don't have shoulder pain. This is a lie. This is a lie of the enemy. And what he's wanting you to do is to take ownership of that shoulder pain. Because the minute you do that, then it will be yours and you'll have to deal with it. And as soon as, as soon as God spoke that to me, I said, you know what, Satan, I, I reject this pain. This ain't, this ain't even true. This is a lie. I didn't have to pray a big prayer. I just rejected it. Didn't even give Satan the time. And I didn't have shoulder pain the rest of the trip. And I have it ever since. So many times we, we give Satan the time of day. I was praying for a brother over at, over at Hillside, and the prophetic word I got for him was that he's been giving Satan too much time. And there's many of us in the body, we've been, some of you have been giving Satan a lot of time. You just sit down and Satan speaks a lie and you're like, you know what, Satan, that's right. Yeah, mm, yeah, I really, I really, yeah. My family, yeah, I am poor. Oh, no one does like me. God hates me. And you just let those lies just continue, continue, continue. And you take so much ownership over what Satan is speaking into your life. But Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because the truth is associated with freedom. And you know, if if you don't come into agreement with what God is speaking over your life, you naturally come into agreement with what Satan is. Look at, look, at verse, uh, look at verse 37 in chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. Jesus is speaking to... When He says this about you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, He's speaking to, he's speaking to Jews that believe. He's speaking to people that believe. And He's sitting there with them and He speaks this to them and, he's, and they say, Well, why are you saying that we will be free? We're already free. We're descendants of Abraham. And then Jesus says this to them in verse 37. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You know, they were believers. It says that they were believers in in the book of John. But Jesus points to them and says, because my word finds no place in you, you seek to kill me. Because they couldn't come into agreement with what Jesus was speaking out. The opposite was that they were coming in agreement with the devil's plans. Either you come into agreement with the words of heaven or you come into the agreement with the words from hell. And there's no middle ground. There's no purgatory in this. You're not standing in the middle. You either come into agreement with what God is saying or what the enemy is. Turn to 1 Timothy. It's not right. from First Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 to 19. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Stop right there. Paul speaks to Timothy and he charges Timothy that by the prophecies that have been entrusted, that have been spoken over Timothy's life, you know, the word of God that has been spoken over his life, that is applicable to who he is. That by those words, by that truth, he is to wage warfare by that truth. He is to come against every lie, every word that is spoken out against him. That's why he says the whole faith and a good conscience. Some translations say a sincere faith and a good conscience. Sincere means to be integrous, to have integrity, meaning that it is in line with the truth. Same with a good conscience, right? When something in your life is is out of order or not in line with reality and with the truth of how you should be living, it's hard to have a good conscience. But he says, by the word that has been spoken out over you, you wage the good warfare. The truth that you find in the word of God, you wage the good warfare. When when your bank account looks like there's not like there's nothing in it and you're like, oh, man, I'm broke. You don't come into agreement with that, but you speak out that God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That David even said, I am young and now I'm old, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. When you feel like that you, your body's sick and that you, you don't feel like that you're going to, you know, you feel like you're going to get this illness. Like so many people speak out illness over their lives. But the word of God says that by his stripes, we are healed. That are is the plural of is. Is meaning to be. Meaning it exists now in the present. We are healed. That's something that never changes. It's a fact. And you are to wage the good warfare with that. Psalm 41, it talks about how God, he sustains us on our sickbed. And in our illness, he restores us to full health. You know, full health is a promise. Full health is something that God has for us. It's in his word and it's true. But when we don't do that, keep reading to verse verse 19. Holding faith in a good conscience. When we don't do that, what happens? By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith when we come into agreement not with the word of God but with the words that the enemy is speaking over our lives we make shipwreck of our faith before we know it we find ourselves in confusion we find ourselves in disarray we find ourselves without no direction we feel like we are not free we feel like we are tied down and it's because we are coming into agreement not with the word of God but with another word, with a lie But God wants you today to come into agreement with the truth. If you want the truth, say, I want the truth. truth. You know, I want to talk about three areas real quick that we where we see lies and where we come into agreement with lies and not the truth. And there's three areas. The first area is with God. The second is in our relationship with other people. And the last is in ourselves, with ourselves. I mean, the first area is with God. Like I said, one thing that builds intimacy is trust. But trust is built through truth and not lies. But so many of us have this idea of God that God is always mad. God is always bad and he's never glad. You know, God is always angry. Every time I mess up, God is right there to tell me, dude, you messed up. Dude, you're such a sinner. And we spend most of our Christian walk just trying to get back in the good graces of God. Oh uh, Lord, you know, I, I, I really messed up last weekend. Lord, you know, I really shouldn't have thought that. I really shouldn't have done that. And we walk into this place with God where we feel like that God wants us to be beat down. God wants us to be impoverished. God wants us to suffer. God wants us to experience lack. God wants disorder in our families. And, we, and people act like, oh, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say about God. But in our heart, that's what we believe. You know, we see this in the parable of the talents with the servant who who gets the one talent and he buries it. And then the and the master asks him, why did you bury that talent? And he says, well, I believe that you are a hard man. I believe that you reap where you do not sow, that you harvest where you have not planted. I believe that, God, you're just simply using me. So many of us have that view of God as well, that God is just using us. You know, God has his will, his perfect will, and his will be done. And, you know, me, forget me. But that's a lie. You know, so many of us, we believe more. It's a revelation that God gave me one night. I was walking home. And uh, and so I used to grow up. I grew up in the projects back home. And when I would walk down streets, when I walked down dark streets, I would always be kind of like, you know, checking, checking, like, you know. And I don't ever feel that in Korea because, like, Korea is, like, mad safe. The only person I have to look out for is, like, an ajumma. And, like, <laughs> and, like, you know, I'm like, but I'm walking down the street one night, and it's, like, dark. It's, like, dark alleyway. And all of a sudden, I'm like, and I just feel this presence. I feel this presence on me. And immediately, I'm like, and then God speaks to me so clear. And he's like, you believe more in the devil's ability to pursue you than you believe in mine. You believe that the devil's pursuing you more than I am. That hurts. And so many of us in the body of Christ, we think that. We're constantly looking over our shoulder because we believe that God is allowing it. God will allow for the enemy to just pursue us and overtake us. And that's God's will. But does that line up with the word of God? You know... God's word doesn't say that the devil will pursue and overtake you. It says that his blessing will pursue and overtake you. It doesn't say that when you look behind your back, you're going to find Satan running after you. It says that when you look behind yourself, you'll see goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. It doesn't say that that when when your body starts feeling weak, that you you are going to always have sickness and disease. No, it says sickness and disease are far from me. That God's will for your life is for sickness and disease to be far. You know, when you look in the Bible and the the mighty men and women of God, even sometimes we look at Job and we we love to point out Job like, see, see what God does? See how God is? He just he's just going to allow all your stuff to be taken. But what we don't realize is that at the end of the story, God restores to Job double what he had before. That God's will for your life is not for you to even have a single portion, but to have a double portion. You know, I think a lie that many of us believe about God is that God won't use me to do signs and wonders. That God won't use me in a powerful way. That God doesn't have a will for my life to be someone who steps out and steps out on the streets and sees healing breakthrough. To sees breakthrough in my family. That sees the power of God manifest. But the word says that they, not me and John Michael, it says that they shall be called priests and ministers of our God. And it's not talking about just me. It's talking about all of us. It talks about the five full ministers that God has put in the church to equip all of us for the work of the ministry. That God wants to use you to be a miracle worker. That's the greatest revelation that people get on missions. Is they're like, wow, God uses me to do signs and wonders. Wow, I have the Holy Spirit in me. To break in, to break down and destroy the works of the devil. But so many of us believe that God doesn't want that for us. The second lie that we, the second area is with other people. You know, with other people, we feel like there's two ways. Either we feel this constant place of perceived injury because we think that everyone is out to hurt us. That, you know, if I, if I, if I invest myself in someone, if I let down my walls and I allow these people to speak into my lives, that what I'm going to find is that they're essentially just going to hurt me like everyone else has hurt me. And that's a lie that you come into agreement with. And then usually what happens is you put up these huge walls because you come into agreement with a lie that everyone around you will hurt you. And because no one can penetrate those walls, you have this perceived in- injury whenever you know someone is unable to penetrate your wall. We relate with people out of lies and not out of truth. Not out of the truth that says that we are knitted together in love. Not the truth that says that we are the body of Christ. And when one part rejoices, the other part rejoices with it. You know, my heart for each one of you is to see you just go and reach your destiny. And, you know, sometimes even with with pastors, like people feel like, you know, if a pastor doesn't have time for me, then they don't really care for me. Or if the person next to me doesn't have time for me, they don't really care for me. But that's a lie. You know, what lies are you believing? And the biggest one, the most important one, is about ourselves. Who are you, really? Who are you? When you look in the mirror, you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror. Do you believe the truth of what God speaks over you, or do you believe the lies? You know, my testimony is one in which I had I was atheist for six years. And during that six years, I was I was partying it up. I was just being mad debauchers. And uh, and then once God encountered me and once God, God came into my life. Um, even though I was a Christian and even though I believed in Jesus Christ, I didn't really believe in the power, the full power of his blood. I didn't really believe that he transformed me. And so I spent mo- I spent so much of my Christian life just walking around thinking that I'm not really a new creation. That, you know, I have these struggles, I have these, I have these bondages, I have these areas in my life that, you know, I, I just need to keep, I got to just keep working on because, you know, I'm, I'm always going to struggle with this. And what God showed me was that is a lie that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. You know, what it says in his word is that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that word indeed, it's it's a Greek word that means truly, truthfully, with certainty, with absolute certainty, whom the Son sets free is truly free. That no matter what you've done in the past or no matter what people have spoken over you or no matter what identities you may may have carried in the past, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And therefore, when Satan comes with those lies, you're not really free. That you're the same. You'll always have the same struggle. You'll always see the same issues. That's a lie he wants you to take ownership of. Because Jesus has set you free indeed. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's broken off every chain. Let's pray.